are listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the program, I have a very special guest. So one of the things I have loved the most about having this podcast is that I get to have wonderful conversations with tons of people in the industry But I don't talk about true native media all that much. And today's guest and I are going to dive into that topic. Today, I have Nick Grinowitz. He is the new VP here at True Native Media. He's the second in command. Super excited to have him on the team. Nick, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Heather. I'm really excited for this conversation today. Yeah, for sure. So Nick, you joined True Native Media about a year ago, and you came to the company to really help us recruit great podcasts. We've already represented terrific podcasts, but we know there are millions of podcasts out there now, and many of them need great representation. So you came to us to do that job, but I'm super excited that we've been able to promote you into kind of a bigger role at the company. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about your background. Um, What has your career been like to this point? So I I come from a radio background, actually. I went to college and majored in mass communications and decided that I really wanted to get into radio and specifically sports radio. So when I got out of school, I was originally from the Orlando area and went back home and joined Cox Media Group in Orlando where they were launching an ESPN radio station. So I spent uh, just about nine years working for Cox Media Group in Orlando working with their news talk station and their ESPN sports station as a host, a producer. And for anyone that has worked in radio, you wear a bunch of hats. So kind of doing a little bit of everything under the sun. And then also uh, spent time working with the Orlando Magic as a play-by-play broadcaster for their minor league team, the Lakeland Magic. So kind of did a little bit of everything in the sports and news talk radio side of things. And I mean, it's terrific that you have this mass communication background, that you've been in radio. I mean, audio for all of us audio lovers out there is kind of a near and dear, you know, medium um, to, you know, each of our hearts. And so I think it's great that you've got this long history in the audio space. But there is certainly a distinctive difference between terrestrial radio and podcasting. I know that you guys work to create a lot of podcasts out of the terrestrial radio content you created, but What kind of brought you to a place where you're like, hey, I think I want to get into podcasting full time? It was an industry that always really interested me. Uh, When I started working at Cox Media Group, I very vividly remember asking our management group there, so why don't we do anything when it comes to podcasting some of our original content, uh, whether it was our news content or our sports content? And a lot of the reaction I got was just, It wasn't something that they felt like they could make money in and also something they just weren't positioned to do. So it was something that I worked with them on to prioritize a little bit more. And I kept coming back to podcasting throughout my career as I worked deeper and deeper into radio, whether it was some side projects or working with other content creators. And I just saw this really fun industry full of content creators that really had control of their own projects, number one. But number two, it was just such a collaborative environment too, where there wasn't this kind of siloed off 
mentality, you know, that radio company after radio company kind of had. Um, and I was really attracted to that, number one. And then number two, the growth as well. I mean, as we see the podcast industry growing, especially since COVID, not just the amount of shows that have been created, but the amount of you know money that has come in in terms of advertising uh, and the opportunity that's come along with that as well is really what started to attract me to the podcast space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you you know definitely touched on some really good points there because as much as we all you know still love terrestrial radio for what it is, I think that I love that you said that podcasting is such a collaborative space because I think it is, and there is this level of creativity that you can tap into um, because there's so many independent podcasters. But also, I remember when I was in radio, everything is so dictated by the clock, which is mm -hmm. great, you know, um, but it's really fun to be able to just create in a very organic way and podcasts bring all of that and, and the growth, you know, like you said. So there's so many podcast companies out there and it would have been easy for you to choose any number of different organizations to go work for. What attracted you to True Native Media? I think, first of all, the environment that you've created at True Native Media was very attractive uh, when it comes to the team that we have, our sales reps, our operations team, our marketing team. Uh, it's a very healthy working environment, number one. But also, number two, I think that the the care that everybody has for both of our clients, right? We work with advertisers and we work with podcasters in wanting to create successful relationships between the two of them. So, you know, I think there are a lot of really great companies in the podcast space, but what really attracted me to True Native Media was the emphasis on wanting to find successful campaigns for advertisers, but also find monetization opportunities for podcasters that really weren't possible when they were working on selling their shows either on their own or working in other opportunities as well. So uh, really what, what I enjoy the most is being able to work with independent podcasters and have, you know, an effect on their lives in terms of being able to find that monetization for them so that, you know, they can turn a hobby. We have some podcasters that are trying to turn, you know, a side gig or a hobby into a full-time job. And I love the opportunity that we have to try to make that a reality. Yeah, for sure. So you certainly touched on a lot of what we do at True Native Media. But, you know, I, th I think, as I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think that I talk about True Native Media a ton on the podcast. And I, I would, you know, like just to take an opportunity to talk about what exactly it is that we do at the company. And, you know, I founded the organization. I can't believe when this episode goes live, it's going to be almost seven years since I started the company. So I started January of 2016, and this will be going live at the end of December. So almost seven years ago, started this company. And I started it because I felt like there were so many independent podcasters out there who really just didn't have anyone representing them, right? It was like, hey, if you were going to be part of a big network or if you were just part of, you know, NPR or these huge organizations, then yeah, of course you had no problem getting ads. But what about all of the independent podcasters out there and how could we support them? And I think one of the things I find really fascinating is that podcasters typically don't podcast first right? It's like they have a passion for this content that they create. They've got, you know, maybe maybe deep subject knowledge. Uh, but most of the podcasters we work with have other full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many of them would like to transition into having podcasting be their full-time gig, like you said. Um, but a lot of them, you know, this isn't the main thing they do. It really is a side hustle for them. 
And I think being able to kind of give voice to those people is a really important place for us. But also, we really have progressed over the years in working with some, you know, quite large podcast, which has been um, a ton of fun as well. So, I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, Nick, if you can just expand a little bit on what the core is at True Native Media and what we really do for both the advertisers as well as the podcasters. Sure. I'll start on the podcaster side because, as you mentioned, uh, when I came to work at True Native Media, that's really where I started. And as we're recording this, actually, I just realized it was a year ago today that oh, my really? first day was here <laughs> at True Native Media. So um, I started as a recruiter and have had many, many conversations over the last 12 months now with podcasters about what we do and what they're looking for and really what True Native Media does for podcasters. And currently, we represent just about 100 shows is uh, we really do act as that advocate for you, the show host, the you know independent podcast with brands. And what our team does is we go out and we find brands to match with your show and brands that you know a you're passionate about talking about, um, that b fit kind of with your content and with your audience. Uh, it is kind of in the name, True Native. We want those brands to fit natively into your content so that it doesn't interrupt the listening experience. I think that's another thing about True Native that I really appreciate is that, you know, the mindset with our sales team and the mindset with our operations team isn't to try to force as many ads into a show as possible. We work with every podcaster to find what works for them, what works for us, and what works for the advertisers as well. And what we do is we handle all of the negotiations in that sales process. So from mm -hmm. finding the advertiser to handling the negotiations, our operations team, and they're outstanding. They get talking points, any materials sent to a podcaster once a campaign is set to begin. We aim to get it to you two weeks in advance, um, but things happen quickly sometimes. Uh, and then, of course, we handle all of the tracking and most importantly, collections as well. So the the way that I always love to think about it is for the independent podcaster, True Native Media really does act as a pseudo sales arm for that mm -hmm. individual podcaster. And we are a little bit different because I feel as if we're associated with networks quite a bit and we're not a network. We're a representation firm. So we sell each podcast individually. We don't sell across our network of shows and we don't force any podcasters, you know, onto one particular hosting platform. So we are a little bit different there, but in terms of what we do, we really do act as an advocate for the podcasters so that they can monetize their show in ways that, you know, wouldn't be possible because we have the connections with direct advertisers and agencies uh, that are looking for their types of shows. And on the other side with advertisers, one thing that I'm extremely proud of is that when we do work with our advertisers, it's to put together successful campaigns to get them the return on investment that they're looking for. Of course, that's best for everybody. And we try to find and curate you know, a book of shows that will work for them. So our reps do a great job of meeting with their advertising uh, partners and you know, kind of finding exactly what it is, whether it's a genre or it's a demographic that they're looking for, or even just a specific show. We kind of try to offer anything that the advertiser is looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think what you touched on there that is so important is that it really is about creating success all the way around. I think what's so fascinating about working primarily with host red ads is that it has to be a fit and, you know, I've always had this vision, um, and I know there are some companies working on creating technology to do this right now, but I've always had this vision 
of almost like a dating app for podcasters and advertisers, right? Where it's like, hey, like this is who I offer. This is my audience. And then the advertiser could be like, hey, that's our exact target market. Like, let's work together. Oh, you like my product? Oh, cool. I like your product, you know? So like really making those connections for me is the important part because when we see that connection between the host and the advertiser and the host is genuinely excited about the product, we know the ads work better. And truthfully, it's just a whole lot more fun all the way around, right? Because the advertiser knows the host is going to get super excited about the product they're advertising. The host is genuinely excited because, hey, they like this product and they want their audience to know about it. And then ultimately, it really does create success, which is, I would say that's really our mission is how do we create this partnership between content creators and advertisers so that we're, you know, really creating these mutually beneficial relationships. And and for me, that's really the important part. And I'd love to say that it's always easy that, you know, every podcaster we get on our our roster just instantly fills up with ads and vice versa, that every advertiser that runs with our show gets instant, you know, success on all of our podcasts. And it is a bit of a challenge sometimes, right? Like it doesn't always happen quite so seamlessly, but our job is to really execute on that to the best of our ability. Why do you think it's important to have a company like True Native Media in the podcast space? I think it's important because there is kind of this, I'm trying to think of a better a better word than kind of middle class in podcasting, because I feel like there's a strange connotation with that. But there is this middle ground in podcasting where you have independent podcasters whose shows are large enough to monetize, but they don't necessarily know how, know where to go or, you know, have the time as we've talked about in the past or earlier, this is, you know, kind of a side hustle or a side job with a lot of people or a hobby. Um, they don't have the time to make the calls themselves. So companies like True Native Media really exist to do a lot of that legwork for them. Um, you know, there are plenty of very large shows and large networks that they're kind of the the top end of the industry there where the brands will go to them or advertisers will go to them. And it's a little bit easier. But for a majority of the space, I do think that podcasters need a company like True Native Media that understands the CPM buying process that has the connections with agencies and advertisers that knows kind of the ebbs and flows of the buying cycle, um, how to handle getting, you know, those talking points and materials kind of sent to the correct places and, and how to handle it. I mean, it is a full-time job. I mean, we have multiple people. I mean, Heather, you run the company, you understand. I mean, we have multiple people doing full-time jobs, running a lot of the logistics of this. It is quite a lot. And then that doesn't even get us to, you know, kind of after the campaign is done, what happens after that? When we're talking about third-party tracking and invoicing. So uh, companies like True Native Media are very important because they're able to help the podcaster work through all of those steps. And it is a lot easier when we go to you and say, hey, we're working with XYZ brand. Are you interested? You say yes. And then hopefully two weeks later, we come back and say, they're moving forward with the campaign. Let's go from there. So there is a real purpose to companies like True Native Media uh, to help the podcaster with all of that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, a, a key part of this podcast, and certainly what we try to do at the company, is talk a lot about just the nuts and bolts of podcast advertising, what works, what doesn't work. And I'm curious, can you share maybe the philosophy that you see that we have at True Native Media around podcast advertising and maybe how to take a successful approach when looking at podcast ads? I think first and foremost, whenever we're trying to put together a successful campaign, and you mentioned this earlier, that is, I want to say, the first step. Mm -hmm. So is this an advertiser that the host is interested in? And really, more than anything, I think it's all about the audience. In my time working in radio, um, I, I, I remember vividly having a piece of paper that was on the wall next to the broadcast console that I worked with for every show. And it was basically our audience. We called him Jim, right? And Jim was, it, we worked, it was when I was with a news talk station. Jim was, I want to say like 45 years old, male. He liked this, that, and the other thing, whatever. And every single topic I picked for the two-hour nightly show I hosted, I thought about Jim. And I think that podcasters need to think about that as well because you, it amazes me how many podcasters, when you ask them, so tell me about your audience, they don't really know. They can tell me, oh, it's, more female than it is male. They can tell me, I think it's 25 to 54, but they don't really know. And when you're stepping into the advertising space, understanding your audience is one of the biggest things to wrap your arms around because when you're accepting brands to work with, it's not necessarily just brands that you want to work with. It's what do you think my audience is going to A, be receptive to, B, spend their money on and C, support further so that a campaign is successful. You know, I think one of the toughest things in the space is not to land that first campaign, it's to get a renewal. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest part. It's to get that reputation yes. as a show, not just that, can, that you can book advertisements on, but a show that performs and performs well. And I try to talk to many shows about that. So I got a little off track there, but in terms of the philosophy that we have, it really is... What brands can we book with podcasts where that is the number one box that's being checked? Is it mm -hmm. that does it fit with the audience? Number one. Number two, is the host going to be excited about working with that brand? Because it does just, you can hear it. I mean, yeah. you can. We just finished up a campaign as we're recording this with a podcast that, that um, we're promoting. And a number of our shows did host read ads talking about it. And I, I can remember listening back to, three or four of them, and you can just hear how much they enjoyed that show. It's a true crime show. I'm, I'm not a giant true crime fan. Uh, we have quite a few members of our staff here that are giant true crime fans. It made me want to download the show and listen. So when there is that excitement that is associated with the brand, you can really hear it just jump right off the tape. And we're really looking for that. I mean, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. And then, of course, then you get into the numbers. Then it's, yeah. okay, so where can we find the right number where the CPM makes sense for the host. And it also makes sense for the advertiser where the performance is going to reach a point where that campaign is successful. Um, and you and I have had a lot of conversations about CPMs and where they should be, where they're going. I do think that moving forward, the conversation also needs to be had on the podcast side. Where can we put some of this pricing where we are going to have a successful campaign so that we can get to those renewals so that we can have that positive reputation with buyers so that we can continue to do more business? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one, one thing that I would love to add to what you said, um, you know, kind of going back to fit is I do also think it's really important for hosts to think about what their audience actually wants. So we want the host to be very passionate about the product that they recommend, but there are also instances where, you know, maybe you personally as the host don't need a fitness app because you have a personal trainer, but maybe your audience can't afford a personal trainer and you know the app could be really good for them. So I feel like there is always the, I personally as the host have a real connection with the product and I really want to promote it, but you can also get just as excited about a product that you know is benefiting your audience, right? That you're like, hey, this is actually really going to help my audience out. And if they purchase this product, it would really help them. I think about one of our anxiety podcasts has done really well with CBD products. And the reason that they've done super well is because the audience actually really needs that product and wants that product. And so it's a natural fit. And I don't even know if the host, I should maybe from listening to her ads, but I'm not 100% sure if she personally uses um, CBD products, but because she knows that it really benefits her audience, she's able to create great ad reads, knowing that this product is really going to benefit them. And then, as you said, ultimately, at the end of the day, while there are certainly brand advertisers that are entering the space, and we do work with a handful of brand advertisers, the bulk of the advertisers we're working with still are really those direct response advertisers. And they're looking for a return, right? They want to see that a podcast is able to convert at a certain level. And as you mentioned, the name of the game really is that renewal, because we know that when a, an advertiser renews on a podcast, that means that it's actually really creating success for them. You know, we could get into hours of conversations about the philosophy of advertising and how to create great campaigns. But ultimately, it really does begin with what the goals of the advertiser are. And that's something that we take into full consideration every time we're putting together a campaign, whether that's a campaign for an agency partner where we've got all of their KPIs up front or whether that's us working with a direct partner and saying, hey, we really need to know what are your, you know, what are your goals? What are the outcomes you're looking for for this campaign so that it ultimately will produce the results? And that could be from a brand or a direct, you know, results perspective. Having goals for a brand campaign is just as important as having goals for a direct response. But at the end of the day, that's how we can prove the success. And, you know, certainly being able to work with some of the attribution tracking companies have have really, I think, been super helpful for us in just creating a really clear picture about what success looks like, which is, you know, super important so, you know, I, I'm curious as we think about the industry, um, I know that we're kind of in a softening market, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I hate to use the word recession because, you know, who wants to say that dirty word? But I think it's been interesting to kind of watch the podcast space change, having been in it now, as I mentioned, for seven years. Every year it has really been kind of gangbusters, even in 2020 with the pandemic, I think as an industry, we increased sales by about 18%, which certainly wasn't what we were hoping for, but it was still an increase, right? And we've been like up and up and up and up and everything has kind of been on the upside. I know we've had a lot of conversations with our podcasters saying like, hey, are things slowing down? Are things, you know, maybe not booking as quickly as they had before? 
And I would say, to be honest, that we certainly have seen some softening in the market. I think people are really critiquing their buys maybe to a higher extent than they had in the past. But what are your thoughts about kind of where the economy is and how that maybe is impacting the industry? Yeah, I think you and I have had quite a few conversations with our podcasters, as you mentioned. And it does feel, I think the word softening is kind of the right word. It feels like things are softening just a little bit where uh, the decision-making from buyers has taken a little bit longer. They have evaluated things a little bit closer. I think in talking with some of our reps, it has not quite been as easy, let's say, to say, all right, well, let's throw an extra show into this buy. Um, I do think that things are just a little bit more deliberate now than they were even six, eight months ago, especially a year ago. I remember starting here a year ago and it was like the place was just roaring, you know, in terms of kind of Q4 with a lot of the buying that we saw last year. And uh, this year we are seeing this. I mean, we are still seeing, as you mentioned, an increase. It's just, it feels in the moment that things are moving just a little bit slower. And I think a lot of that is just on the advertiser side, concern over what we could be headed into. Number one, a little bit of a tightening of the belt. Uh, number two, the different clients that we work with as well, wanting to make sure that all of the boxes are checked in terms of the budgets that they're spending, that they're being spent correctly. So I just think in the past where things were a little bit looser, they are tightening up. Um, it's good to see that the budgets are still there, um, mm -hmm. that you know, advertising spending is still being done. Uh, we have seen in past years where, you know, those things have been cut altogether. And you, of course, would hate to see that. But I think that moving forward, there is a little bit more of a brisk walk rather than a jog, as we've seen, or even a run in some of the spending. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, you know, I think that for me, when I I think back to years where we did have real recessions, like 2008, I was a business owner at that time. And literally, it was like somebody flipped a switch, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at that time. And we haven't seen that now, which is part of the reason that I do talk about it as more of a softening as opposed to like, you know, hey, like something dramatic is happening. But I do feel like it's really important that we as an industry be really conscientious about what is happening. And for me, it does go back to this idea of how are we making sure that our partnerships are strong and that we're delivering what we need to deliver. Obviously, every business out there needs to continue to generate revenue. They're in business to create revenue. That's what they're trying to do. And so it is important that they advertise. And we know that podcasting can be a super successful medium. And so it's really important that we as an industry really continue to create solid campaigns that are performing well for our advertising partners so that they can get the returns that they're looking for and invest more heavily. I think that that does kind of um, speak to how are we, like you had mentioned, maybe scrutinizing the campaigns a little bit closer, making sure that we've got the right targets, making sure we've got the right messaging making sure that, you know, the investment level is where it should be so that there can be a return. So I think all of those are really important considerations. And what I've seen that any time in my career that there has been a softening, it really just means that you just have to work a bit harder, which, you know, is, is I think, you know, just a little bit of a different experience than we have been encountering in the podcast space where we had so many dollars flooding into the, into the, you know, market that it was easier to kind of catch those dollars. 
I will say I know that we reviewed the Q3 Magellan report that came out and um, mm-hmm. what was it? There were like 1,800 new advertisers that entered the space in, in Q3. So, you know, and I I would say that the softening in the market was happening in Q3 and we still saw a, a huge increase, right, in advertisers coming in. So we know that they're still there. They're still entering the space. But it it's my opinion that it is the responsibility of each ad seller out there to really make sure that we're doing the best that we can to create the results that our advertisers need. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see how I think Q1 in particular, actually, I'm really interested about Q4 too. Can't wait to see those numbers next year. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. What are your thoughts about kind of where we're just headed as an industry? Do you think that there are gaps in the market right now where Maybe we need more ad tech or we need better tracking, better demographics. Like, do you see any gaps in the market that you think we could work on? I I do. And I I do think that really, I mean, a lot of where the market has gone over the last, what, 18 months, two years, it's been in the ad tech space, right? We've seen a lot of the the larger companies in the podcast space buy up all this ad tech. And we've seen, you know, whether a Spotify go out and, and, and purchase a megaphone or Amazon purchase an art 19. A lot has been done on the ad tech side. And really, I, I think that the one thing that really I think about a lot is the download side of things. I do think that, you know, when you talk to different hosting providers and you talk to different companies, kind of what constitutes a download or an impression is different kind of depending on where you go. Uh, And we see this when we work with different podcasters that go from, podcast host A to podcast host B, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more uniformity in the space as more ad dollars come in. Um, So I think that's number one. I do think that I, I'm very interested to see what we do with third-party tracking as more of that becomes the norm. I know even since I started here at True Native Media, we've seen more and more requests from some of our advertisers. Hey, can we do a third-party tracking uh, tag on this? Because they're interested in a lot of that data too. So I think moving forward in the space, a big part is just going to be more accountability and tracking. And I think that as some of the bigger ad dollars, you talked about more brand spending. I think as more as that comes, more of that comes into the space, it's going to become more of the norm that we have different ways to track exactly how successful those campaigns are. Yeah. Would you say from your perspective that you're seeing a lot of requests from our advertisers around brand safety? I think brand safety, and and that's a great thing to bring up. I think brand safety is becoming a bigger and bigger um, concern from our advertisers as they go through the buying process. Um, and I think that we've seen quite a bit of you know some ad tech purchases as well to try to help with that too um, on the programmatic side. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that you know as advertisers and brands get into the podcast space, they're looking for any way to protect themselves as much as possible because it is a lot harder to put the genie back into the bottle once a mistake has been made. You know, you end up running an ad on a podcast that, you know, you didn't mean to, let's say from a programmatic standpoint, or, you know, the buyer wasn't necessarily aware of some of the types of content that were on a show that they ended up booking on. So I think that brand safety is very important. And that's something that, you know, I know when you and I, talk about the different podcasts that we partner with. Uh, that's one thing that you continually, I would say, stress with our team is, you know, brand safety is a big concern because that that is something that advertisers are trying to protect themselves with. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been a really important for me at True Native Media, the types of shows that we represent. It, it's important to me. I want to make sure that it's content that I feel you know, that we can comfortably get behind. That doesn't mean I necessarily endorse every single thing all of our podcasters say for sure. But, you know, just knowing and and really, I think knowing the type of content they create up front is really important for sure. So I know you and I just wrapped up uh, some planning that we did some strategic planning and super excited about what lies ahead in 2023. I know we've been talking a little bit about the recession, but what I love so much about this industry is that we're in a growth space, you know, so regardless of what the economy is doing, um, we really are growing. And I really believe that our contribution is significant. And so I'm excited to be here and, and be growing within the industry as I know you are. What would you say is kind of on the horizon for True Native Media? Yeah, it's It's interesting. I think about True Native Media almost like the podcast industry or what attracted me to the podcast industry, uh, anything is possible. And when you and I sat down and, and kind of did a lot of our planning, um, I think that what we've really kind of come up with is we're looking for a way to, to better service our podcasters and better service our advertisers moving forward. Uh, and I think that on the podcaster side, um, which is where a little bit more of my passion is, because that's where I started here, there's going to be more services that we're going to be offering um, starting in 2023, whether that be from um, some audience growth side of things, something that we have not done in the past, and we're working on some strategies for that. And on the campaign management side as well, offering um, some more resources there. Uh, and then on the advertiser side as well, I think that we're looking to try to strengthen our partnerships with our existing shows and then go out, of course, and, you know, always be growing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we we have really been deliberate in the past with the shows that we partner with. And while we are going to continue to be deliberate, I definitely have a number of shows that we're working with in mind as a goal. Um, and I, I want to reach that goal. So with our advertisers, it's not just finding ways, not just going out and finding new shows to partner with to do more business with them, but also I think that it's trying to find new ways, whether it be um, some more 360 opportunities with our shows um, to deepen those partnerships, or I would say from performance side of things, continue to work with our advertisers to, to better the performance as much as possible. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we've got some exciting things planned for the new year, as you mentioned. So really excited to... Uh, you know, unveil those as the time comes. And I really am very, very, you know, hopeful that next year is going to be a banner year for us as truthfully every year has been so far. So I'm excited to really continue to grow. Super excited that you're part of the team, Nick. And um, thank you for coming on the show today. If people want to connect with you, where is a good place for them to do that? Um, they can send me an email, of course, which I, they can find me on LinkedIn, number one. Um, and then they can also send me an email. It's just nick at truenativemedia.com and we can catch up there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Um, I know that I have, of course, I'm talking about one of my favorite subjects. But if you're interested in learning more about podcast advertising, please head on over to our website at truenativemedia.com and download our podcast advertising guide. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Podcast to Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast to advertising industry. 